Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to another edition of Supernatural Station. I'm your host, Roman Daniels, and joined with me is your secondary host, Jaron Daniels. I don't know what it is, but I have these two marks on my neck, and I'm starting to feel, like, really woozy. Hold on, come over here. Let me take a look. Closer look, please. You're not my brother. Scary. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Got some vampire stories up in this joint. Happy Halloween from your friend, Count Romula. You know... I heard a good story about friend like you, and I'm so happy to have you in my presence. So you go with story ASAP. This is our Halloween episode. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining with us, and we're so happy to have you in. This is the best time of the year for us. Like, we love this time of the year. You it's know? the colors. It's the atmosphere. It's the leaves. It's the, the perfect weather. We're sweater weather. It's just got this cool feel. Yeah, and, like, it's kind of weird the way that you can feel that whole solstice thing happening. We're, like, all the of a sudden, magic. like, this is a little bit of a magic, but, like, you can tell things are dying off a little bit. It's like the, the leaves are dying off, like, the crops are dying off, you know? Yeah. It's got this weird feeling where all of a sudden, like, now all of a sudden the, the sun is setting way sooner, and it's getting dark, and it's getting colder, and, yeah. It's I just, just hate how it gets that weird cold smell when you walk outside there's yeah. that smell to the cold 
I know exactly and, what you're talking about. Yeah, and then your lungs hurt because you're breathing in cold weather. But right now, it's okay. Yeah. It's perfect right now. Yeah, and we, you know, we're actually recording this a little before Halloween, and we hope the weather out where we're at maintains, and hopefully where you guys are at, it's maintaining, and that kids will have a great time trick-or-treating. I don't think we've had a great couple years of trick-or-treating Halloween since the whole COVID crap. I think we're way ahead of that now and past all that, so it should be a fun year, and we're just really excited that you guys are here with us. We, this is our Halloween episode, and it's really our first, because we've never, I've been, we've been doing this podcast for a while, for a couple years, but, you know, not at this level, and we've always wanted to do, like, a Halloween-designated episode, and so that's really what this is. We've got some kind of Halloween-themed, what is it, monsters? right we're yeah talk it's like about the monsters. classics you know we're i mean we're gonna talk about stories that we proclaim or not we proclaim but that are supposedly true online and things that we've kind of researched and there's some really cool ones in here that i think will just get your mind thinking again that's kind of our whole thing right just get you racing like wondering if you should walk outside and take the trash out or maybe just don't because there could be something creepy out there it that reminds me so much of the parking lady that I used to work with, Velva. Velva. She used to, there was this really nice lady that used to work at this place I worked at that was the parking um, attendant, and she, one time, I just remember this, it's so funny. Didn't you say, what are you doing for Halloween, Velva? Yeah, I asked her what she was doing for Halloween, and she's like, nothing. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't do anything on Halloween. I just hide. She's like, I hide because I hate it. Like, it's terrifying to me. And she was totally serious, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, it was like a weird, like, bad subject to bring up for her, you know? You could tell she's from another country originally, and so maybe she had some weird experiences with that she might be from transylvania oh, she, she had that kind of accent she had the tommy the tommy wise thing yeah there anyway but we got a couple stories um i think i'll let my brother take the lead on this and maybe he can start some of his stories first and then i'll dive into mine i just have one story and it's a pretty big one but a fun one and there's a lot to it but i think uh i don't know what my brother has brought to the table tonight and so i'm gonna be as surprised as you guys i think we start with the furry kind i think we start with the werewolves because there's some really creepy ones that i was reading oh yeah there's like the moon the crisp darkness the creepy hunter you know um this right here is a crazy one by the way so coming in at the first story i have this guy named Gillies Garnier, French style, in the 16th century. So it's been a while, but this is proclaimed true, by the way, by many scholars and believers at the time. In the 16th century, a town of Dole, or Dole, a proclamation was publicly read in the town square, and it said, Hear ye, hear ye. Its contents gave permission for the people to track down and kill a werewolf that has been terrorizing the village. While walking through the forest, a group of peasants heard the screams of a small child accompanied by a howling of a wolf. When they arrived, they saw a wounded child fighting off a monstrous creature whom they later identified as Gilles Gagnier. When a 10-year-old boy disappeared in the vicinity of Gagnier's home, he was arrested and confessed to being a werewolf, and he was then burned at the stake. And then there's more details, oh, wow. but can so, you imagine? So so the, the guy was Gilles Gagnier, and yeah. he was suspected of being the werewolf, so they, they had this inkling, right? This town had this inkling that he was the werewolf. They found him attacking a young child, or what? Or wolf, right? Was it a wolf creature? A wolf creature. But then he like ran off or whatever, and then they caught him later. But he actually went back and said he was the wolf, right? So he, he confessed to being a confessed. werewolf, wow. and then... The reason they burned him at the stake, it says on the um, other details, they found perfectly bleached bones in his basement cellar, and they matched that of one of the child, the children that were missing from that year. And so he was probably like the first murderer in that town, like 16th century. It's been a long time. Besides just like normal, you know, war versus war, you know, people versus people. Jeez. This is some scary stuff. And so he like literally proclaimed it. He's like, yeah, I am a werewolf. I am. Oh my god, Something gosh. creepy. And, you know, I'll, I'll play the whole like uh, devil's advocate type thing, and, and I'll play the skeptic, I guess, and be like, hey, 
okay, what if he was just some serial killer and like embellished, you know, loving the fact that this werewolf was who they were chasing and like he's like, that's me, I'm the monster and just took kind of took credit for it. He was definitely killing people, but maybe he was just a sadistic serial killer. Like he but got I like, his jollies I like off. to lean on the side that he actually was the werewolf. Yeah, he got his jollies off of being the monster, you know? That's crazy. And there is a chance you're right, maybe he was just killing people with like a sword or something, who knows, and just like... I just like his name. That name is so cool. Gilles Gagné. I know, it sounds so sweet. I wonder if his family is the one that started like the shampoo The shampoo company. brand. Uh, shout him out because I have this, uh, the one I use here at home is the Honey Blend one. It's really good for my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Garnier. That's crazy. The whole um, French, like the whole French area um, has kind of been a, almost like a werewolf hotspot, you know, but it's weird because you don't think of, I don't think of wolves in France, you know, normally wolves, I think of like, you know, up in Russia and out here in America and, you know, several places, but not France, you know? Yeah. I know that France has like a beautiful countryside and stuff, but there's that story that also took place in France. The, I think it was the Juvedon, I don't know how to say that word, but it took place in the 1700s and it was supposedly a werewolf that was wreaking havoc on a bunch of villagers a bunch of people in this village in the in the 1700s so that actually took place also in france so that was a pretty it's juvadon or javandon or something you should look it up i couldn't even spell it for you right now but it's just something that's stuck in, in my mind from other podcasts i've heard and stuff but it's a pretty cool story so there's something about the whole france and werewolves i don't know if it was just a craze or if it was a real thing like if there were these creatures just like multiplying and going crazy back then you know in france I think it's Europe, though, like because yeah. the next two are different countries, actually, in Europe, but they're both predominant countries as well. And they're around that 16th to 17th centuries. So I'm wondering, like, if there was something weird, because, I mean, lore comes from stuff, sometimes, you know, tall tales, but most of the time, I feel like lore does come from truth, right? They always draw the same creatures in different places, and they've never spoken to each other and stuff. So, like, the whole dragon paradigm, right? And saying that, hey, maybe that was actually dinosaurs living with people, and that's what these dragons were, and people, you know, right, you were living with this them. all the way back to, like, Anubis, you know? Like this, yeah, Anubis, like, that whole like thing. human body with, like, almost a wolf canine-style head, yeah. you know? Because listen to this. So here's the one that I have next, right? This one's German. So according to old records, in 1640, a German city of Griefswald became overrun by werewolves. The population of these beasts grew so large that any human who ventured out into the dark was in danger of being accosted by one of these. Holy crap. A group of... That'd be so scary. Like a freaking city full of werewolves. Like, can't do nothing. Dude, I've had nightmares about this, but the nightmares I had was when I was a kid, and I always thought that these either gorilla-type creatures or big werewolves would be, like, running up the street, like, in our neighborhood. Scary. At night. For some reason, I had that dream all the time. Like, I was just terrified of it, so... I think, you know, we watched the um, Ernest P. Real, like, creepy haunted one where there's those creatures that are chasing after him. and They're like ghillie suits yeah. or something. Maybe that was it. Some, something to do with that. But that is creepy. But yeah, so it says that they could be accosted by these creatures, right? A group of students decided that they had enough and devised a plan. They gathered all together with their silver goblets, their plates, their buttons, etc. They melted them down for bullets. And then they armed and ready. They struck every single werewolf that night and challenged every single werewolf in the city. After it was over, total stranger thing style. Picture like Steve with the bat. They had like a huge battle, like a huge war. Full on battle. And these were like college kids, not young kids. Yeah, young kids, something, you know. And the Goonies of Germany. Yeah, after it was all over, the people of Greedswald once again could venture out at night. That's uh, that's cool. That's a cool story. Like I could I could draw a comic on that, you know. That's so awesome. And that one, I mean, I'll, I'll say that the first one seems a little more realistic to me in my mind. Yeah. Um, but I think this is really cool sounding. Like, I mean, hey, it's a Halloween episode, we might as well. But it says it's under the true real-life werewolf stories, and it's backed up by a couple different uh, groups, right? So not just Wikipedia or something basic. Right. So. 
Yeah. Um, the next one I have is the Italy one. So I just want to give you these three, and then we'll get into the other. Wow. Parts. So you're going France, Germany, Italy. Yeah. Pure nice. Europe. We're on that Europe. Uh, what is it called? Euro trip vibe. So in 1541, which is a little earlier than these other two, so the one was 1641 was like 1650-ish, and now this is 1541. In Pavia, Italy, a farmer, as a wolf, fell upon many men in an open country and tore them to pieces. After much trouble, the maniac was caught. So they're sitting there attacking him, and he's dodging them, and, you know, whatever. He then assured his captors that the only difference between him and a natural wolf was that the true wolf grew their hair outward, whilst in him it stuck inward. I don't know if that... It struck inward. I don't know what that means. Oh, weird. But the picture of him is like a normal person. Like, he's like some maniac, thinking he's oh, a werewolf. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, but it said... So he's spitting this. The only difference between me and a natural wolf is I grow out... Struck inward, and they grow outward on their hair. What the heck? But in order to put his assertions to proof, the magistrates themselves, they cut off his, they basically cut off his arms and legs, the people of the city, and he, and they say the wretch died of this mutilation. Which, oh my can gosh. you imagine this sicko? And this was way, way, way back. So I don't know if there's any truth to this either, but cool Halloween story in general. Oh, yeah. Another one that could be a comic, a scary <clears> one. Jeez, that's like the old medieval methods that they would do to people, like when just suspected of being something, you know, like I'm sure this guy was a killer, but you know, and they probably had proof, but still, I mean, I go back to like the witch trials, right? That's also very yeah. Halloween vibe, you know, and this took place in America, the Salem witch trials, you know, and that was just so messed up, just some of the brutal ways that they would, you know, burn at the stake. Cutting and heads off. And with what proof, you know? <laughs> know? Sometimes it was just like, it was just, oh, a neighbor said so, and so, like, she's got to be, you know, witch, because we had a cat die yesterday, and the cat seemed healthy the day before, so she yeah. killed it, you know? It's that kind of stuff. But I think it's but, crazy is the stretch, the thing they used to where they'd stretch bodies. They'd like oh, put gosh. a hot thing and just stretch them out. The rack! Yeah, Remember Princess disgusting. Bride, they tried to do that crap to him, and they tried to electrocute him, too, with that weird new electrocution method. Ugh. I think that's, yeah, there's, it was a weird time. I'm so glad we're in the you know, 21st century, right? I always say yeah. we live in a much better time, and some people like to argue, but I think we live in a much better time than, than those days. Our problems are way not even close to the problems they dealt with back then. Yeah, but we're going to go from, uh, we're going to take a break. After the break, we're going to go into the bloodsuckers of the world. We're going to dive into some, some vampire stuff. So get yourself some jungle juice and flirt with the pretty girl at the Halloween party. And then make sure you're listening to I always feel like somebody's watching me and I have no privacy. Oh, when I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. Well, we took a break, and now we're going to go to the bloodsuckers of the world, the fangers, as they call them. So this one I've been trying to cover for a lot of years, but I thought it was a great Halloween story. The Highgate Vampire. 
1839, Highgate Cemetery is where this took place in London, is famous for its Victorian crypts and tombs, which led its spooky atmosphere. Rumors of ghosts and dark figures moving about the cemetery at night are a permanent part of its history. The Highgate Vampire case began in 1967 with reports of a phantom figure seen gliding about the older western side of the cemetery at dusk. Dead animals, mostly foxes and other nocturnal creatures, began to appear in nearby Waterloo Park and the Old Cemetery. The animals reportedly were lacerated around the throat and drained of blood. In February 1970, the local press speculated on the presence of a vampire, and suddenly the Highgate vampire was a sensation. Wow. So, that's pretty crazy. I find it interesting that it went after predators, like the predators of the area. Yeah. You know, like the foxes and stuff. It went after, like, foxes. They said nocturnal animals, so, like, maybe, um, like, raccoons and owls or something. Maybe. Like, maybe something but like that. But what's weird, opossums, if there's there. But yeah. it's, it's weird, like, it's like, it's, it's, it would make you think more about, hey, maybe this is actually something more powerful than these things, you know? Yeah. And, hey, we don't have wolves in this area. We don't have this. So, like, there you go. What is this thing, then? Who knows? But the funniest part about this whole entire story is what came from it so a mass vampire hunt by self-proclaimed vampire hunters was organized for the night of friday march 13th 1970 hundreds of vampire hunters invaded the cemetery armed with wooden stakes garlic and crosses no vampires were found but the cemetery suffered vandalism and theft damages amounting to 9,000 euro euro to 10,000 euro the vandals left behind graffiti and the exhumed remains of a female corpse and stole lead from the coffins (laughs) Taking off March 13th off of my calendar. Yeah. (laughs) As lurid stories fueled more interest, vampire hunters and the curious continued to enter the cemetery at night. In 1974, a group of vampire hunters claimed that they had found the vampire and destroyed it, but others disputed this. In October of 1975, the Friends of Highgate Cemetery was formed to protect the interests of Highgate Cemetery as a natural monument and historical burial ground to represent the interests of grave owners, to secure public access to the grounds, and to sponsor conservation of the cemetery, to discourage occult activity and vandalism. The cemetery was closed at night and access was severely restricted. From 1977 to 1980, mysterious animal deaths were reported in the area near Highgate Cemetery. The bodies of pets and various small wild animals were found with wounds in their necks and their throats ripped open. It was speculated that dogs or wild animals were the culprits, but the vampire theory also stayed in circulation. So that's kind of like the general gist of the story, but there's more to it that I want to dive into, and it's um, regarding what people saw initially and then also the vampire hunt that kind of followed. Real quick, what do you think the gar- or the garlic thing's all about? I've always wondered that. I don't know if there's like some true lore to that or what, but I, I, is it just somebody being like, oh, I'm so sensitive to the smell of garlic, because trust me, I am too. Like, I don't know <laughs> if that's like a human thing or what, and... But if there's some truth, I think there's some truth to it because I do feel like when I eat a lot of garlic, I feel strange, kind of. And maybe there's something to do with like your blood and how it affects your blood, and that's what these things don't like, you know? There, yeah, I'm not some truth to that. I'm not really um, like well versed in stuff, but like um, maybe vampire bats and other blood suckers, like mosquitoes and stuff, like maybe they leave you alone when you have a lot of garlic in your blood. Maybe if you just ate garlic bread or had like tons of garlic, it, yeah. they just maybe it's scientifically proven that they just stay away from you or something. Okay, so it's that. that mint, it could be that. I'm, I'm guessing. I have no. No exact... So like, it's the mint theory. Anything that's, like, really strong, right? Like, the mint theory, yeah. all the mint leaves, bugs stay away. You put those in there, the bugs will stay away from your area if you have mint leaves, right. you know? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and continue on this uh, story here. So this Highgate Cemetery has been dubbed the creepiest cemetery in London. Um, it was also the site of a pretty hilarious series of events, right? So this is the part where it gets really funny. Local newspapers in 1970s caught on to a story that would attract national attention. There was a vampire on the loose in Highgate Cemetery, and two men were competing to be the first to catch it. I picture Peter Cushing in uh, 
not Chris Frilly, what's his name? Uh, Vincent Price. Why I not? picture him trying to find him, you know? Why not Chris Frilly? And I'll tell you more about that at the end here, because that was funny you just brought that up. What that the was Right on the right level here. The cemetery in North London was the it place for the resting souls of wealthy Londoners in the 19th century. The graveyard is an impressive landscape of intricate tombstones, gothic busts battling unruly ivy, and an A-list guestbook of permanent residents, including German philosopher Karl Marx. Screw that guy. That's the communist guy. And also screw ivy, because I have a lot of it at my property and I'm a property manager and it's so hard to get rid of off the walls. Um, and novelist George Eliot. By the end of the Second War, the cemetery was in need of some serious TLC. It was run down, making it a perfect filming location for horror movies, such as From Beyond the Grave and Taste the Blood of Dracula in the early 70s. You said Christopher Lee. Yes, I did. They filmed there. Well, that makes sense. Oh, I remember that one. We yeah. watched it, and is that the one where they um, those kids went over there, and they were like going into that cemetery area, and they went into that big cathedral place? No, but we'll get to that, because that talks about that, too. Hey, it's I'm ready. Movie. I'm futuristic. Right there, yeah, yeah. I'm a couple steps ahead. It says, sightings of a sinister dark figure with blood-red eyes who appeared to glide above the ground started cropping up in local newspapers. There was no other plausible explanation. It had to have been a vampire. One of the sightings was recounted in a letter written by young Wicca pagan witchcraft enthusiast David Ferrant and published in the Hampstead and Highgate Express. Ferrant claimed that he had seen a tall gray figure floating in the cemetery on Christmas Eve in 1969 and that he had since found foxes on the ground with their throats slit. Shortly after Ferrant's letter was published, a second man, Sean Manchester, was interviewed by the same newspaper for an article titled, Does a Vampire Walk the Highgate? And then it just says, Mr. Manchester claimed that the figure was in fact a king vampire, a medieval black magician who had practiced magic in Wallachia, the home of Dracula, before being buried in the cemetery. His body, Mr. Manchester claimed, had been resurrected by modern Satanists, and his demonic form now stalks the graveyard at night. That's crazy. That's so weird, right? So, like, they're thinking he is the vampire that's attacking the foxes and stuff, or do you think that uh, the the cultists are the ones that are doing that just to strike fear into the city? I don't know. And then this... they're, they're just bringing up this uh, this entity. I don't know. This was, this was like, the satanic panic time frame. Like, the, the 70s, 80s, mostly the 80s, I think, but, like, the 70s and 80s was, like, kind of the start of it all. The world kind of went into this whole satanic panic thing, like, oh, it's going to be a huge thing, and everyone's going to be satanic, and it's just going to be crazy, right? So, I don't know. I'm not sure what to think about that. Yeah, it's funny how it went from, that was the Brownsville time, too, when, like, the Christian thing was going crazy, too. So, like, the early yeah. 80s, people were, like, flopping like a fish. Flop on the deck and rock like a fish. Yeah. That whole vibe. Um, <laughs> and so they went real intense with that stuff, too. I know it was, it was a very spiritual time then, which yeah. is kind of cool to hear, you know, in some ways. Yeah. But also crazy in general. And then it just says, so the second guy, Mr. Manchester, the president of the British Occult Society, self-professed exorcist and vampire slayer, an alleged bishop of some unknown church, declared that he would be the one to rid the cemetery of the vampire. Ferrant hit back saying that the vampire myth had been blown out of proportion with the unhelpful influence of the media and that the figure was in fact nothing more than your common garden ghost. You are fake news. Yeah. In 1970, Manchester published The Highgate Vampire. Ferrant came back with his publication Beyond the Highgate Vampire. <laughs> See where this is going? Uh, proving that hell hath no fury like a magician scorned, the two developed a feud that continues to this day, and their antics around the Highgate Vampire hysteria attracted the attention of national press. Stop the press. 
Press. Stories about the Highgate vampire go so out of control that on March uh, 13th, 1970, an IT TV special report about the cemetery prompted an angry mob to descend on Highgate, determined to rid the town of the vampire tormenting local residents. Both Mr. Manchester and Mr. Ferrant had been interviewed for the report, Mr. Manchester taunting his rival by announcing that he would be leading a vampire hunt at the cemetery every night. Eager hunters lined the gates and climbed over the walls to witness the event. Despite police efforts to control the mob, several graves were opened and corpses were beheaded and mutilated with spikes. Jeez. Both on the night and during subsequent hunts. Although several hunters claimed to witness the dark figure in the cemetery, the cunning vampire remained unslewn. This is crazy. Jeez. They're just going insane, right? Mr. Ferrant and Mr. Manchester continued to compete, both claiming they would be the first to kill their neighbor, right? The vampire neighbor. In a conclusion straight out of Harry Potter, the two decided to hold a duel to decide once and for all which of the two of them was a greater magician and paranormalist. Flyers started to appear in London underground stations advertising the magical duel, which was scheduled for April 13th, 1970. Mm, There's pure chaos. Mm -hmm. People cutting heads off of dead bodies underground and stabbing mistakes. Like, what the heck is going on here? If the whole, like, zombie thing came about, this could happen. I bet you people will be doing that again. Yeah. Yeah, You know how they're always talking about zombies and apocalypse and all that stuff. Maybe we're heading towards that direction where all of us crazies will go to cemeteries and get rid of bodies again and whatever, but that is crazy to think about. Then it says, rumors swirled around the media that the two were planning to sacrifice a cat in the presence of naked virgins. This is so 19... This is Hammer Films, like, yeah, so bad. Yeah, this is straight Hammer Films. It says, when a local man's beloved pet failed to return home one day, Mr. Frant was uh, villainized by the RSPCA and the media for allegedly having beheaded the animal as part of a pagan ritual. Dude, I hate the RSPCA. I know. They're always up in my grill. <laughs> The duel never took place, and Mr. Frant was arrested in 1974 next to the Highgate Cemetery, carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. He was convicted of damaging memorials and interfering with the dead remains, but he successfully sued news of the world for making him look like a cat killer. He uh, also posted voodoo dolls with pins stuck in the heads to an RSPCA inspector and others who had called for his prosecution just for good measure. With no duel to settle the matter, the feud between Mr. Manchester and Mr. Ferrant is still alive and well, with Mr. Ferrant involved in the distribution of a line of comics called The Adventures of Bishop Bonkers, with accompanying uh, Bishop Bonkers merchandise. Mr. Manchester writes several blogs aimed at vilifying his rival, describing him as suffering from narcissistic personality disorders and often illustrated with paintings of Mr. Ferrant as a demon. These two are still alive right now? I, I don't know. I gotta look and see well, when this article 80s, came out. it could be. I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, this, I think this article was 2020, so they might still be around, you know? He also claimed that he had later tracked the vampire down to a house in Crouch End where he had plunged a spike into its body and burned it. Excitement around the cemetery died down, and now only history buffs are interested in visiting the graves. And if you're thinking the Highgate vampire craze sounds like something out of a movie, that's because it is. Dracula AD 1972, Christopher Lee, is that the our one favorite, I talked about? Yeah, was inspired by the bizarre events that took place there only 50 years ago. That so was those, bizarre. Those young guys that were like competing, like that was pretty much based on this story. There you go. You know, I and, knew I could feel it from something. I remember that. Yeah. So Did we watch that last year? Yeah. It's a good one. All those Hammer films are some of my go-tos. But anyway, it's, it's really crazy because like the, it didn't really dive into it, but I remember reading some of the original sightings, which were just like regular people walking by the cemetery. Um, and there was a couple of them. There was like a woman and a man. Um, I forget their ages. I think an older woman, older man walking by the cemetery and had seen what they described as a pale, gaunt figure with red eyes floating around the cemetery. I mean, that could be a ghost, but you know, they were, they were saying felt like a vampire, you know, had like a vampire presence. But it was and that's that, kind of what started it all. It was that guy that they unearthed, right? The cult, the body that they unearthed. The king vampire. King vampire, yeah. yeah. So 
maybe it was a ghost, but it was a ghost of a vampire, so it still had the vampire vibe, you know, that was going after. Right. And so that makes sense. They felt that way, and I don't yeah. know. That's a weird story, it's, but it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I really liked it. That's I just, cool. I think it's funny how these guys wanted this huge feud, and if they are still around today, that's insane, and they probably still hate the hell out of each other. But well, they're doing blogs and stuff, so they're definitely around this nowadays time frame. Right. I would hope that they would come back, come together, and become friends like near the end of their life, and be like Xavier and, and uh, Magneto, and just kind of form a bond at the end, and be like, hey, you know, we disagreed and we were against each other, but hey, we had the same interest all along, so why are we not friends? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think we're gonna take a quick little break here. So uh, we'll be back in a moment. another story for you about vampires this time again um, there's this gentleman that i don't know if you guys have heard of this maybe you have rome the colorado vampire oh i've heard of this one yeah and i've heard of this one i i think it was um shoot it was either weird darkness one of the my, one of my really other favorite podcasts we never shot them out it was either weird darkness or, or maybe blurry creatures no um might have been um astonishing legends okay that covered it i can't remember which one but yeah all great podcasts by mm-hmm. the way so this gentleman named Theodore Fodor Glava, they called him Fodor, but it was Theodore. I remember the last name Glava. I really Glava. He was a Transylvanian immigrant and a coal miner who died in the midst of a flu epidemic that swept over America after World War One. He was buried at the Lafayette Municipal Cemetery on May 12th of 1918, but is now remembered for his modest life as well as an extraordinary death, one which would go unsolved until years, years later. The facts are sparse, so we don't have all the details, right? But it's still interesting, for example, that Mr. Fodor Glava is from Transylvania. He died in December of 1918. No one knows how. That's the funny part. The headstone reads, Mr. Fodor Glava, which can be found just north of the Lafayette Municipal Cemetery. Its name is etched into a polished black marble stone with an intricately carved border trimming around the edges saying Transylvanian. Pretty cool. Wow. So, I mean, he was a real Transylvanian back but in those days. But you said they don't know how he died? It was like, it was never said? Or yeah. Known? Yeah. So I wonder if he died of like just illness or something. Or if it was like, ew, what if it's a fake death? What if fake it's a vampire? Death. Can you imagine? He just went to a different relocation, you know? Some other body now he's he in killed. New Orleans and... or something, you know? Like where he can hang out, wreak havoc during like, uh, what do they call that? Mardi Gras? Mardi Gras weekend. Everyone's hanging out. I feel like I'll hear of all these vampire stories in Mardi Gras. Like, so he's maybe he's still there, like destroying people. You get those yard <laughs> drinks in you, half yard or yard style yeah. drinks, and all these people get so drunk and somebody's sleeping on the freaking side of the road. Yeah, if you're a vampire, that's a and perfect place. And they just place. say, oh, he went to drunk tank. Or he went to, he got eaten by like an alligator or something, you know? Yeah. Never know. So it's hard to believe that Mr. Glavo of Transylvania was just a man. And the reason behind this is Gravestone has helped spur local legends about him being a vampire who resides in the Lafayette area, at least for as long as the grave's been around. These legends started when it became odd seeing someone from Transylvania, home of Dracula, by the way, and All other the way vampires. Out in Colorado, right? Yeah, what, why? It's right next to us. We're in Utah. I can't believe it. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, one of these days we have to uh, take a trip out there and go see this gravestone would love it there's some beautiful parts of colorado but he was buried in our small town of colorado cemetery especially because he bought the plot himself back in july 18th of 1911 it says 
A mysterious grave with a strange history and even stranger symbols has been stirring up townsfolks for years. This, the words on the Glava's marker appears to have been written in haste by someone who was far from professional. Yeah, if you look at the pictures online, it's weird because his gravestone has like literally, it looks like a, ta- a tablet from like the Moses time where there's just a million etches of writing on it. And it's weird. It says like plus two Romanian, but spelled weird. Trandata, Tiff, yeah, Ornoff, Haunt something. It's just, it looks weird. It looks not perfect. We'll post a picture of this in our, um, like on our Instagram as yeah, part that'd of the be show. Great. Like when we share the show, we'll post a picture of this. It's weird. And looking. some of those other things we yeah. talked about earlier. Yeah. But it says, so it's far from professional. It hasn't helped that it's one of the only two graves close enough to be considered in the vicinity. Locals say that you can find him at night when he leaves his grave. This is the creepy part. Listen to this part. So I'm going to re- repeat it again. Locals say that you'd find him at night when he leaves his grave, that the red roses grow around where his heart would have once rested during his life, though nobody knows why. So like, whoa, these w- weird red roses just grow like right where you'd think the heart would be underneath that gravestone. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and there's also pictures of that. See, like the red roses coming in. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it says, uh. People living in Lafayette have long been creeped out by this grave. Kids or adults like to dare each other to go stand by it or near it, adding fuel to the mystery are reports that people see a tall, thin man with dark hair sitting at the top of an old gravestone while wearing black clothing. The former police chief even said he found a doll pinned through its heart lying next to this eerie place. Is that another voodoo reference? Yeah. Because What's up with that? We already covered that in the Highgate story. Remember the one vampire hunter was putting like voodoo dolls up in like the Highgate cemetery for is some there, reason? Is there pins? a connection between vampires and voodoo? I've never even thought about this, but we just said New Orleans. New Orleans is all about voodoo, right? Yeah. Like this is the thing. So maybe the... Maybe it's like a, a ritual to raise the undead. You know, raise oh. the dead, you know? Yeah, maybe. That's what's creepy, right? Like there's just so many weird things that connect. Now, is this the vampire that, from what I remember and recollect, there was supposedly a stake that was driven through his heart at some point? and then a tree that grew from that so like there's a tree like in the middle of his gravestone uh gravesite that yeah. grew in the in the position where like his heart almost would have been and it's this huge tree trunk just growing straight out of the grave is that the same yep. one yeah it says yeah it says that a cherry tree which is a weird one growing right out of his grave oh wow um, but yeah he was when he was younger when he was alive he was a coal miner tall pale had abnormally long fingernails which is weird to me which by the way is sort of the perfect job for a vampire especially if they can't be in the sun like they're way down in the mines they're working probably weird out hours odd hours you know they don't have to they don't have to look normal because they're like covered in soot all the time and stuff yeah but yeah it says we we may never know whether or not the tree did in fact grow via a wooden stake that was lodged into glava's heart after he passed but we do know that he this has made for one hell of colorado's most fascinating mysteries do you have any theories about this story it says which i mean we're talking about it right now but it's it's definitely a strange story and it's a true it's a real person that died that what i what i wish they could do and and i i mean this is kind of horrible to even suggest it especially if he's just a normal guy but i wish there was a way to like exhume that body and just see if it's there like you know like how creepy would it be if there's no body there anymore you know what i mean like there's nothing there there's no bones at all yeah you know and it's just like he up and left and that was like his little ploy to like hey i died because they said it was mysterious like they never knew how he died and that could easily be faked especially back in 1919 or whenever it was you know what i mean yeah 1918 yeah. yeah that's crazy i mean that's like when the Peaky Blinders was coming to an end on the yeah. show. It's like, that's a crazy timeline, you know? And it's, yep. it's, it's, people were sick from like consumption and the plagues, like weird plagues and, and like influenza and stuff. Influenza like and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, people might look pale and stuff, but the weird like long fingernails thing was strange. Like his tall appearance, his, the coal mining would be a perfect excuse to hide from the sun. And he could have just been just an outsider that somehow ended up in Colorado and just wasn't understood by locals, you know? Like people just thought he was weird and that, you know, fueled the fires and stuff. 
stuff. It could just be that, you know. But yeah, he's like, let me hang out in peace. You know, I hang out in mine. I take care of this place. You know, don't treat me badly. But I have long fingernails. Be scared. It's okay. I wonder if he has any family that somehow live in Colorado still. Like, you know, these Glava family. Like, that'd be crazy to find out. Um, if crazy. anybody knows, you know, send us or send us the information. We'd love to find that out because that's crazy stuff. But I lean on the side of I have no idea with these stories. Uh, most of them, you know, if it was actually a true vampire story or whatever. But I do think the werewolf ones have a little bit more credibility to them. Yeah, I really do. I think there's either a beast that was unexplainable or like a skinwalker type situation happening in those areas. And they obviously there was deaths that were happening of like, you know, regular everyday people and there's some beast ripping them open so that's something to think about especially in like france and even germany i think germany has bears and stuff but france really doesn't have bears they don't have like big beasts like that that could be ripping things apart you know but i mean there's the idea of the the wolf lore right i I see what he's saying too and i i raise the stakes on that and say i I agree with you because the wolf situation is weird because there's huge wolves the dire wolves were were real at one time and they were huge they were like way bigger than a regular wolf yeah but then on top of that you get these true stories right now of dogmen which are super creepy in itself i've seen some weird videos online that yeah it could be completely fake but it's so weird you know they do a lot of characteristics that these werewolves would do and they look just like something out of underworld you know the like what's the one rise of the lichens yeah, the lichens. yeah. which is a good one by the way yeah and it's like so I, I think there's there's some truth to it, um, more so, like you're saying. I think the vampire thing could be maybe an old thing that's still not around anymore, but it's like people just playing around with it now. Yeah. But I think the werewolf thing is... Or it could just be like a misunderstood like uh, type of person, like um, someone, you know, certain people who are like maybe really religious in a certain way, like live their lives a certain specific way, you know? Yeah. And um, sometimes it's just misunderstood by like the mainstream. Um, and, that, and that really could just be vampires, you know? And like they were just blamed for mutilations or like other random people just killing animals or killing people you know like who knows but with the werewolf stuff for sure just there's more credibility there and like you said with dogman there's a lot of credible witnesses that come forward with that dogman and they are people like i never believed that a werewolf could like from the movies could exist but yet i saw one you know yeah it's crazy. I mean, go look at vic vic cumdiv i really like his the podcast the dogman encounters one it's really cool because you wouldn't think that right it's like what he's saying you wouldn't think werewolf or dogman is a thing anymore bigfoot makes a little more sense that's what i'm saying like earlier we were talking about that how it's like the two things that will probably come to fruition first will be the alien thing first then bigfoot this one i think is the maybe the next one but if that's the case like how in the heck are people going to go into the woods again if they find out there's these bipedal wolf man-like creatures bodies with freaking wolf heads that are ready to eat that are seven foot everything. tall and yeah, yeah ready to eat everything so i don't know but I, I can say that there's a lot of credible evidence and mm-hmm. really scary stories. And it's funny because a lot of them are like right outside big towns and big cities and stuff. So who knows? But um, I won't say everybody's crazy. I'll say, you know, 60% of them might be, which is a lot. But yeah. the other 40%, I think there's some credibility there for oh, sure. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. And, you know, the you know the weather's changing. We've got winter coming, sadly. But right now we're in the funnest time of the year with Halloween. And that's what this whole episode was about. It's kind of a Halloween special. We want to talk about monsters and true stories of monsters and we want we're hoping that people are dressed up and enjoying their candy and enjoying the special drinks and just time with family and we're, we're happy that you joined us listen to our podcast for this episode uh, you probably had better things to do on halloween uh we appreciate you guys listening and we hope that these stories were fun and that you enjoyed what we covered if you have suggestions for us send them our way you know how to reach us if you listen to our previous podcasts and share the show that's the quickest way for us to grow is for people to share the show and um 
we hope you join us next time. We're going to keep doing this. You know, Halloween is all year for us. So we just continue to pump them out. And it's all supernatural, paranormal, weird, unusual, strange. Yeah, nobody likes those humdrum early January, mid-January, early February timelines of life. I feel like that's the worst time of the year. And so if we can be of help during that time, heck yeah, we're going to be doing tons of podcasts around that time. If we can be of help during the new year, you know, and, and kick off the new year with something cool. Like just um, if, if you guys put us in your um, daily or weekly routine, I would say we really appreciate it because we're, we're going to try to pump out weekly episodes and we just really appreciate you guys like seriously it's bottom of my heart this is I really enjoy doing this because it's telling a story it's having fun with you guys having fun with my brother here this is like my happy place you know having yeah. a drink or two just chatting it up yeah hey you, you know we go to work every day like you guys you know we do a nine to five just like everybody most everybody else and it's just fun to pull away from that sometimes and start covering some of these fun stories that make us guess you know and and think and just kind of I don't know just make us think about our reality a little bit differently you know and kind of change our paradigm that's a fun thing but yeah we appreciate you guys so much and uh, share the show like i said and follow us on instagram and social media and we'll uh we'll definitely be pumping out episodes so we hope you join us on the next one come back again on the supernatural station also check out cerise moon that's the band that plays at the end of our podcast here if mystery like our, if you like our outro songs that we've had those are all from cerise moon and they're just an awesome band available on all platforms check them out find them on spotify apple all the good stuff peace out you have a great halloween happy halloween friends happy all hallows eve my friends Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.